Hello, you're listening to MWA Muggles with Attitude podcast. I'm Alice Sullivan. I'm Micah Sparkman. I'm Jeff Lake. We are reading J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the first book in the Harry Potter series. Today we're covering chapters 14 through 17, so come join us on platform nine and three quarters for our trip to this week's podcast of Muggles with Attitude. So previously, Harry, Ron, and Hermione teamed up to murder a poor lost troll, thus forming a pact of blood which will bind them in friendship forever. <laughs> Harry wins at Wizard Sports Ball while Hermione saves his life from a broom curse of some sort. Uh, Harry gets an invisibility cloak, but disappointingly uses, uses it for almost zero hijinks. Uh, Ron and Neville get into a brawl while Harry wins more Wizard Sports Ball. Uh, oh, and also they figure out how who Flamel is and the Sorcerer's Stone is in Hogwarts and... Quirrell and Snape are making some sneaky plots. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on. I didn't pay attention. Okay. <laughs> this is great. Glad we have you doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Very succinct. I You're appreciate welcome. it. All right. Uh, chapter 14, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. I've been excited to hear from you, Micah, because you are a huge fan of dragons across all different forms, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a dragon aficionado. I have dragons tattooed on my body and such. So would you own a dragon if you could? Absolutely. 100% I would own a dragon. Now, that being said, the size and type of dragon does make some difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, it's still... You'd, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Would you own a dragon the size of a 747 that's 10,000 years old and infinitely smart and wants to destroy all life on Earth? I don't... Can you own a dragon like that? I'll, I'll put it this way. I would belong to a dragon like that. <laughs> <laughs> I would be happy to be that dragon's pet. It sounds great. Wasn't that the plot of the of um, the never-ending story? Yeah, I think Atreyu belongs to the, the luck dragon, right? <laughs> no, that's his friend. <laughs> I mean, yeah, his friend who's thousands of years old and infinitely wise and intelligent right <laughs> yeah he's a look dragon yeah and he thinks he thinks that kid's like you know he really says nice. i'm falcor and i'm here to look <laughs> <laughs> i believe is his catchphrase in that movie right i'm falcor and i'm here to look <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm pretty sure that falcor sees a trigger as some sort of pet yeah, probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> but should I have any opportunity to you know spend my time hanging out with a dragon? I'd probably do it. You would totally hang out with a dragon. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So yeah, so Hagrid has found a dragon which he got from a mysterious stranger. Yeah, that's not suspicious, right? No, no, not at all. Yeah, I mean it's fine. Yeah, yeah. he he wins a dragon from somebody in a in an inn, and we find out that dragons are not only uh, uh, super illegal, but also a little bit on the rare side. But luckily, this. Stranger, has yeah, a dragon this masked form. stranger in in a pub, yeah, Hogshead, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, has has one that he wants to gamble. You know, I think that happens all the time in England. You just go hang out in pubs and like barter for dragon eggs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a British tradition. Yeah, they they have a pretty high percentage of mysterious strangers in England. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, like you said, they they spend a lot of time in pubs there. So, like, if you run into some guy in a cloak in 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 England, that's not necessarily unusual. You yeah, know? it's like a sidewalk. Yeah, exactly. It's like saying, I, I saw that person on the sidewalk the other day. Exactly. Yeah, he's in a pub. Yeah. And, and cloaks, I think, I'm pretty sure that cloaks are still a standard garment in, in England. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of English things, so uh, Hagrid offers them, when they visit him to find out about his dragon, he offers them stoat sandwiches. Now, is this a wizard thing or is this an English thing? I want to know. I think it's an English thing. Uh, yeah, okay, stoat. That's, is that what I think it it's is? It's a weasel. 
Yeah. It's well, sort of like a weasel. It's it's a it's like a it's in the same family. Yeah. They've got it's weird names for food there, though. Yeah, they, 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 they it could literally be a stoat sandwich, in which case it's probably a wizard thing or just a haggard thing, or it could be an English thing, in which a stoat sandwich means probably like a peanut butter and jelly or something, right? There's a at, at some point later on, Ron and Harry are are eager to avoid eating stoat sandwiches, which mm. made me think, oh, it is rodents. Yeah, but that could just as easily be like a fruitcake, right? Mm. Oh, nobody likes to eat fruitcakes. <laughs> oh, I've, I've got some bad news, guys. Uh-oh. A stoat is a stoat sandwich is definitely not a British delicacy. She made it up. Uh, okay, uh, yes. so it's a wizard thing. Yeah. All right. Well, that that settles it. Then. Does he skin the stoat? Uh, I, put, I would imagine they're live. Bread on bread. Yeah. I lost the third thread a while back there. <laughs> anyway, stoat sandwiches. Yeah. So, uh, so they have stoat sandwiches. Yeah, and uh, and Hagrid. They don't immediately discover that it's actually a dragon, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, they totally do. They show up at the... Because he's in the library and they run into... Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they go to his cabin and it's really hot. And I love how Hermione points out that he lives in a wooden house. <laughs> that is a great point. Yeah, living in a wooden house is not necessarily where you want to raise a dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Assuming or the dragon's fire where you wouldn't want to be burned alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. Assuming dragons are fire breathing, which they are. I mean, it's, it's sort of implicit. Yeah. So... They talk a bit about how they use magic to make the muggles forget about dragons, yeah. even though yeah. there are just dragons flying around all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? I because don't know. Dragons are magical, and if they are know, they? I mean, they can breathe fire. Are they? You mean magical in like the sense that they're made of magic, or the sense that like they make your heart sing? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> why not both? Both. <laughs> both, but in this instance, I believe it's because they are literally magical. They probably, probably, if one dissected a dragon. Their their physiology would not ascribe to you know physical laws. Well, their their dragon's blood has magical properties. Also true. Oh, so you, want, you you don't want muggles you know going around drinking dragon blood, and getting all these dragon and, and blood getting powers. all the benefits of of knowing that there are dragons. Exactly. Yeah. yeah fair exactly. enough. Um, but we also learn that in addition to Hagrid having a dragon, uh, they also learn a little bit more about what's going on behind that door. Oh yeah, the mysterious door with the with Fluffy, the three headed dog. Yeah, we learned that Dumbledore's assembled a wizard supergroup to protect this thing. He's got his whole his whole posse, each one, doing a magic thing. We don't know what they are, but you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to have to go through some sort of ob- some sort of magical obstacle course, apparently. Yeah, right, exactly. Like the Tough Mudder or whatever. So I like how everybody they're, they, they're on to Snape, right? They're saying Snape is the, is the bad guy here, and yeah. everybody they talk to, every adult is like, Snape's not a bad guy. Yeah. Snape's just a teacher. He works here. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Snape's a good guy. Sure, he's a little creepy, and he's got the whole, like, lurking, sneaking thing that he does sometimes. But, you know, it's fine. It's, that's normal for wizards. I mean, it reminds me when you're a kid, and you're like, oh, my teacher hates me. And, and, you're, and your mom's like, oh, your teacher doesn't hate you. But as a former teacher, yeah, we hated you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hated you. Yeah. Uh, I also love that uh, the dragon food that they describe, what, what baby dragons eat. Oh, chicken, chicken's blood and brandy? Yeah. <laughs> I'd eat that. Yeah. Wait, right. So where does a mother dragon get brandy? I, I was thinking that was kind of like the equivalent of baby formula, you know, because it's not oh, okay. formula isn't breast milk, but it's a good substitute. So that's what I was thinking. So it has all the, the nutrients that mother dragon's milk would have. Well, the Wait, thing is dragons... milk a dragon? Dragons aren't mammals, right? They're reptilian. Yeah, I was going to say, they? do dragons have They're mammals? magic. Well, I don't think dragons you have still nipples. have different classes <laughs> even within. Yeah, dragons. Yeah, no, they lay eggs. So, 
Wait, how do you, how do how do reptiles, baby reptiles, get nutrition and stuff after they hatch? Like, do they just eating. go eat stuff? Yeah, yeah they, so. they're almost fully formed when they come out of the eggs. So oh. they just go hunt. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so they finally convince Hagrid that it is not good to have this illegal dragon living in his tiny little wooden hut. That's not going to work for too long. But they come up with a pretty handy solution there. Um to send him with Charlie, who's Ron's brother, is studying dragons in Romania. So they're able to send the send the dragon off with some of his friends. Charlie is definitely the coolest Weasley brother. As far as we know, yeah. yeah. Like I feel like he's that older bro- brother that you go to with like your your weird questions about drugs and dragons, you know. <laughs> and he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I got some friends that you know. Yeah, it's totally cool, bro. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you know, probably when Ron looked into the mirror of Erised and saw himself becoming head boy and and Quidditch champion and everything, like maybe he just actually saw Charlie. Aww. Charlie yeah. seems like yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I get the impression that Ron idolizes him a little bit. And apparently he has some friends who are dragon smugglers, so it's whatever. I mean, that's cool, right? Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. I like how vicious this dragon is. It's it's not... It's clear from the start that, that you can't keep this dragon in because it's, it's a vicious monster. Yeah. No, no, no. Hagrid, Hagrid is, is taming him, you know? Not at all. The dragon knows his mommy. <laughs> like, yeah. The dragon keeps biting him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like playful biting, you know? <laughs> is it? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> But Hagrid is like a giant or something, you know, half giant. He's huge. So, yeah. you know, I imagine that being bitten by a dragon is less harmful to him. Yeah, it's about like half as painful as being a normal person being bitten by a dragon. Well, we learned, that, we learned that from Ron that being bitten by a dragon in this case is very bad because apparently they're, they're poisonous too. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Doesn't Ron's hand swell up? Or yeah, something? Ron Ron gets poisoned because Norbert bites him. Oh, yeah. He gets yeah. a dragon infection. I yeah. love it, though, that <laughs> he just goes to the... He goes to um, the the matron, Madame Pomfrey, and she doesn't ask questions. I imagine that if you uh, work with a bunch of magical adolescent kids, you don't ask a whole lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they bring up. you an injury, it's just like, you just got to take care of this. Yeah, and like, if you were a magic boy, like, what do you think you would be trying to do, you know? Probably like set someone on fire, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. sure, that could yeah. happen. Set someone on fire, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely set that's someone it. on fire. Yeah, yeah. that's totally. Wait, why? What did you think? We, what, what <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. I'm just saying that you know when they learn engorgement charms, I'd like to think that there's some sort of disclaimer going on there first. <laughs> well, it, it, and and in a way, it makes sense, right? Because she wants them to bring their injuries to her, regardless of how they happen. If she's yeah. like, if her primary interest is just like healing these. You know, stupid people who are just like throwing magic around. And yeah, no questions. Yeah, asked. it's just like it's fine. You know, don't don't even tell me. I don't want to know how your, <laughs> you know, whatever got super big. We're just gonna we're gonna fix it. That's fine. Yeah. Um, also, I want to point out that they didn't just figure out that keeping Norbert was a bad. Idea. Hagrid didn't just figure out that keeping Norbert was a bad idea. Malfoy came along because he's a big jerk. Oh yeah, Malfoy was peeking in. The yeah, windows. Malfoy spends all of his time messing with the Harry, Ron, and Hermione. It's yeah. really, like, I feel kind of bad for him, right? Does he have any other life? He like, probably wanted to be in Gryffindor. Yeah. Aww. But the yeah. hat was like, you want to be in Gryffindor, so I'm going to put you in Slytherin, because that's how we make evil No, people. his whole family's in Slytherin. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. That yeah. Sense. yeah he, he was, I think he was saying he really wanted to be in Slytherin, didn't he? Mm-hmm. That's what he would say. He would say that, yeah. It's like, he knows he doesn't have a chance. Someday. But he, he clearly has lots of free time. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And, uh, you know, he's just being a real jerk. Yeah. I remember... Thinking, yeah, this is like the kind of person I want to slap in the face. I'm not a face-slapping kind of person, but I don't know. Malfoy feels like he needs a smack. Yeah. Kind of yeah. a the rich jerk. Yeah. 
<clears throat> anyway, chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. They're in terrible, terrible trouble because they got caught coming back from um, from sending Norbert on his way in the middle of the night. And yeah. Malfoy got caught too. So now they all have detention. Yeah, it's, it's funny because Malfoy knows about this dragon thing and he's like, oh, I'm going to get him caught. So he's going there to catch them. McGonagall catches him and, and like obviously thinks he's crazy. She's like, come on. That they, they, they've got a dragon? Okay, fine, yeah. <laughs> so he's in trouble. Then they get caught. So McGonagall's like, okay, come on, guys. I know where this is, what's going on here. She's wrong, but you know. Mm-hmm. That was an extreme reaction, too. She's like, four students out of bed in one night? I've never heard of such a thing before. Really? You <laughs> haven't had kids out of bed before? Like, really? I thought the same thing. This is like the worst thing that has ever happened that the students have ever done at Hogwarts. That's the way she's reacting, right? Yeah. 50 points from, from them each, which is apparently I a mean, whole lot of points. One of the students was Voldemort, right? That's got to be worse. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. He stayed in bed at that <laughs> He was not sneaking around. You know, just because he was an evil homicidal maniac doesn't mean that he didn't obey curfew. (laughs) That's right. Come on. We have, we have standards. This is civilization, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was very dramatic of McGonagall saying, oh, this is the worst thing. Yeah. But, and it just makes them utterly miserable because everybody's giving them hard time now for having lost so many points. Yeah. She torpedoes her own team, which, you know, I don't think Snape would do that. Like McGonagall taking 150 points away from Gryffindor is like... That's that's kind of the the end of it, right? Yeah. But Snape, I don't think he'd ever. I don't think he'd ever do that. I don't know. Uh, I think he would. You think he'd take 150 points away from Malfoy and Crabbe and Boyle? Yeah. Well, I don't think they would make that mistake. But that's a good point. They're a lot. Uh, they're a lot sneakier. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think he would. I, we've given. We've gotten no indication that Snape hates anybody but Harry Potter, right? Or that he's got like got some. He's willing to cheat to protect Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose not. Yeah. I mean, he's like, McGonagall docks Gryffindor without hesitation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't believe I've ever seen Snape dock Slytherin, but, you know. Yeah, we haven't seen much of Snape at all. No, we haven't. Just sneaking and lurking. Yeah, I'm not Team Snape or anything. I'm just saying, like, these teachers seem like they're on the up and up. Jeff, we get it. You love Snape. He's your favorite character. (laughs) Okay, come on. Jeff loves Snape. (laughs) But anyway, they find out that they are going to have detention, and it's going to be in the Forbidden Forest, where students are forbidden from going. Seems like an odd thing to have on a school campus. A Forbidden Forest? Oh, uh, well, a, a place where they just say, oh, there it is. It's very interesting, but don't go there, students. <laughs> and B, a place full of monsters that kill students. Well, I don't think that they have to necessarily say don't go there because I think if a student goes there, they die. So it's like problem. It's like, it's like a self-solving <laughs> I mean, it's problem. It's forbidden forest. Literally, in, in the name, it says that they're forbidden from going there. It's not forbidden because you, you get in trouble for going there. It's forbidden because if you go there, you die. Hmm. It, it is kind of odd that their punishment for being out at night is to like... They should, they should say that then. They should say like... The Killing Forest or something. Not like the, the, the forest, forest which probably has some cool stuff in it. <laughs> Murder Forest. <laughs> but it's kind of odd that their punishment for being out at night is to like go out at night, right? It's like... It's a weird punishment, too. Yeah. Like I have to say, like it's cool that they're with Hagrid, but they're supposed to go into the forest and find out what's killed a unicorn. And we find out that killing a unicorn is the most evil thing that anybody <laughs> can ever do, ever. And to make it even better, Hagrid decides for reasons that he's going to break them into two groups. Because there's two different trails, of course, yeah. Uh-huh. You can search more forest that way. Yeah, I that's guess right. so. <laughs> so he sends... In the middle of the night, because that's when you should definitely go looking. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I yeah. mean, that's that's when unicorns come out to play. Yeah. Probably. 
Probably. Yeah. But that that's a great point. Yeah, their 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 punishment is not only that they get to go hang out at night, they get to go hang out with Hagrid at night. It's like and this, have an it, adventure. And have an adventure. Points. Is this even a punishment? I don't know. I mean they, they could die, right? Yeah, but I mean like they're a wizard school. They could die doing a lot of things. <laughs> I guess that's true, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's like that when you you catch your kid smoking and you make them smoke a whole carton of cigarettes to make them hate cigarettes. Oh, I thought that was like, then you force them to get addicted to cigarettes and they spend the rest of their life smoking cigarettes and, and then, they look back and, and they think, 40 years later they get lung cancer and you're like, see? That's what you get for disobeying me. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how and you punish. And you pull the plug. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then they know that they made a mistake. How else are they going to learn, Alice? <laughs> anyway. So I love this. I love the centaurs. Oh, yeah. My favorite part of this whole book. Yeah. Because I like how they don't give a crap about their human problems. No. And they just blow them off completely. And I like how they're just obsessed with astrology for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're, uh, they're pretty cryptic, aren't they? Just the... I love it. Mars is bright tonight. And they're just like, okay, I guess this conversation is over. <laughs> well, and it's funny because they ask someone else and the guy looks up and he's like, oh, yeah, Mars is bright tonight. It's like, is that actually, does that mean something? <laughs> yeah, that, that centaur forget stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the centaurs are pretty cool. Is that a... But it's interesting because J.K. Rowling tends to draw a lot from British uh, mythology, but aren't centaurs, isn't that a Greek thing? I believe so. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's been around a long time, you know, the mm-hmm. concept of a centaur. I, I imagine that the English have probably, like, borrowed a lot of mythology from other places at, at various points. Oh, yeah, sure. like, like dragons, you know, are not native to English mythology. Really? Well, they've been around for before there was England. You know, the concept of a giant lizard, right? Yeah. Okay, because I know, like, in, I'm, I mean, for the Chinese New Year, they have, like, a dragony thing, right? So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And dinosaurs. Yeah. But they're, they're British versions of all these things, but they didn't invent it. Right. I do want to point something out, though. Uh, J.K. Rowling is the queen of foreshadowing and not, with, not giving anything away, but when they keep saying Mars is bright, bright tonight, that's foreshadowing, right? Because Mars represents god of war. the god of war yeah so they're foreshadowing shadowing war they're foreshadowing something dangerous is going to happen um and later on one of the centaur says have we not read what is to come in the movements of the planets mm. yeah the c- centaurs are, are they, they they recur throughout the series right there's a couple of other places and and they're they are prophetic and you know mm-hmm. they have foreknowledge but they tend not to like to meddle in the ways of humans they don't like to influence the the future right yeah yeah i like that trope the mystic outsider that that sees a lot and tells little yeah uh, and of course the answer <laughs> the riddle what's killing the unicorns is a unicorn vampire <laughs> this guy going around sucking unicorn blood apparently yeah you know, apparently if, if it was anybody but hagrid taking care of this they probably would have guessed <laughs> <laughs> looks like they're <laughs> what could it be i don't know just a unicorn vampire <laughs> <laughs> yeah it because Harry runs into whatever it is. Yep. It's creepy. It's super, super creepy. It really is pretty creepy. The way creepy, they describe yeah. it, yeah. The sound of something dragging along the leaves. Yeah. And just this hunched figure. Out of the shadows, a hooded figure came crawling across the ground like some stalking beast. And then it drinks its blood and comes swiftly towards Harry and he gets a pain as though his scar is on fire. But then he's saved. Yeah, by another centaur. Uh, but this this particular centaur is uncharacteristically informative, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this, this it's more like centaur. magic charades, <laughs> like the nicest centaur. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't exactly tell him what's going on, but he's like, 
Hey, someone's trying to live. I wonder who might want to live. Can you think of anyone who might be sort of dead, but not quite dead? (laughs) He really does spell it out for him, doesn't it? It's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, still being sort of cryptic, but like much less cryptic than the other centaurs. (laughs) Yeah. He's saying, yeah. So we get quite a bit of information here that leads him to that it is Voldemort. Um, Because... Uh, looks like Frenzy as well as Hagrid believes that Voldemort didn't actually die. He's just gone off in some sort of weakened form. Which is something that, that other people have kind of alluded to. A yeah, bit. some people have. Mm-hmm. So I think Hagrid even says that early on. Yeah. Harry's takeaway from this is that Voldemort is living in the Forbidden Woods and eating unicorns. Right. Right? Uh-huh. Okay. I think so. And he doesn't tell anybody. Well, I mean, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> er- earlier he hears uh, Quirrell being tortured by somebody, right? And he, mm-hmm. you know, it would be a great idea. It's just like going and talking to Dumbledore, but he doesn't do that. I mean, it's not like Dumbledore has office hours. He doesn't. He's an administrator at this point, right? Not a teacher. <laughs> well, he is the greatest wizard who's ever lived. Yeah, like, in addition to being the head. I, I would say talking to Percy the Prefect would be the first step. And then probably McGonagall. <laughs> and then probably Dumbledore. There's a hierarchy of things, right? <laughs> Look, Percy the Prefect is just like such a boring guy. He's just ugh. He's not, though. He's, he's really like, cool. He's like eye-rolling. Like, he's Dumbledore. one of the many awesome Weasleys. <laughs> <laughs> he's the worst Weasley. He is the worst Weasley. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess I don't know who, him that well. Well, I mean, like, who else would you identify as the worst Weasley? Friend George. Uh, Ron's really good at wizard chess. <laughs> which, which turns out to be very relevant. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, going back to the prophecy, just one last thing. It says, Bane thinks Frenzy should have let Voldemort kill me, Harry says. So, yeah, apparently Voldemort's... This is the first time we hear that. I mean, we know that Voldemort did not succeed at killing him the first time, but this is the first time we learn that maybe Voldemort is back and maybe he is out to kill Harry again. Yep. So. Yeah, and it seems like the prophecy isn't very positive for Harry. Yeah, no. I think Frenzy specifically says something like, oh, I, you know... I don't believe the the prophecies necessarily always come true, you know? Implying that, yeah, Harry was definitely supposed to die. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, they end up after the detention's over, and they head back, and he gets his invisibility cloak back from someone mysterious, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. How did that person find the invisibility cloak? That is a good question. Because it was just laying there, right? And can't see it i think you can see it when, when you're... it's not being worn yeah because I, I think he describes at the beginning as looking like something like liquid silk it's like silvery oh okay yeah, yeah. so you i think you can see it normally though what makes it become visible and invisible other than being worn i i, I guess it, maybe that's it yeah don't worry about it <laughs> yeah don't, don't think too much about it yeah <laughs> it's magic exactly a wizard did it so if you shine a laser at someone's eyes who's wearing an invisibility cloak right. and they can see the laser are right. they blinded uh, Although the laser goes straight through the invisibility cloak? Yes, yeah, it doubles the laser. So there's two lasers. Right, exactly. So, so, if, so they, if they have a mirror inside the invisibility cloak and reflect the laser back out... It doesn't go back out because it of invisibility. Stops. Yeah, it stops. Does of the it burn a hole in the invisibility cloak from the inside? No, it, it, the, the invisibility cloak absorbs the light and converts it into more invisibility magic. <laughs> <laughs> yep, checks out. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. It's uh, wizard summer, and there's apparently no wizard AC. I mean, it is England. A lot of places don't have AC. Yeah, but I mean, like, wizards? Come on. They've got to have, like, some magical AC, right? I mean, magical air, magical no, air they don't have electricity. 
What about? But they can. They can do they magic, understand right? Thermodynamics, right? Can't they? Can't they make some ice? I mean, it, it sounds bizarre to bizarre to us, but like when I was in England, like nobody had air conditioning. They had ceiling fans if you were lucky, and you'd open the windows. But I guess it's part of like that in parts of New York too, right? Because it's it generally doesn't get that cold, so a lot of people don't have AC there. No, a lot of almost everybody has like window units and things because New York can get really unpleasantly hot. They don't have central air. I think it's more of a a function of a lot of buildings in New York just being old, super old. Yeah. So what do you think they mean by sweltering, though? I mean, like, this is England. How hot does it actually get? Probably like 72. (laughs) (laughs) A balmy 72 degrees. (laughs) But I mean, to be fair, in the winter times, I'm sure they we would be utterly miserable in what they just deal with. I think they're miserable, too. And they talk about how being really cold and drafty in the castle. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to bug them as much as I think it would us. Yeah, that's a good point. They're yeah. more used to it. This is what I'm going to do. If they're, if, well, what I would do if magic was real was I would start installing air conditioning units in all of these magic castles. You should be the HVAC guy in the magic the... world. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god, you would be so rich. <laughs> yeah, you'd make a killing. Make some, just give me some gold coins or whatever. Give me some galleons. Galleons, yeah. yeah. But, you know, but 10, 15 galleons is nothing. Yeah, right? no big deal, yeah. right? I'll, I'll just 10, 15 galleons a room. I'll wire all these places up. We'll be no running. problem. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, you'd make a killing in, in this world. <laughs> then how are you going to spend your galleons? You can't go to Diagon Alley. Uh, I'll just cash them out. Just melt it down to gold. Yeah. I mean, are the galleons just made out of gold? Because if they are, that's pretty sweet. I'm yeah. sure they're probably made of gold. Yeah, right? And Harry's got a wizard migraine. And it's making him super cranky. Is he? Yeah, he's got a he's Oh, got, yeah, his, his scar wizard. keeps hurting him. Yeah, mm-hmm. wizard migraine. Yeah. Um, Ever since that uh, he had that encounter in the woods, his scar's been acting up. Mm-hmm. Well, it was acting up before that, too. Remember when um, Snape was trying to kill him at the Quidditch match? Didn't his scar hurt then? Uh, no, no, no. When Sorry. Snape was staring at him at the feast. That's right, when Snape yeah. was staring at him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but this is the longest it's... Well, I think he's saying it's this is the, the longest it's ever been acting up. It's because it's been for uh, a day or so. Yeah. It's not stopped hurting it's, Making him very uncomfortable. Yeah. But anyway, Dumbledore has left the castle and Harry is freaking out because he is utterly convinced that Voldemort's coming back um, and he's going to steal the Sorcerer's Stone. And furthermore, they also learn that Hagrid has not been such a good, not done such a good job of keeping his secrets. No, he has <laughs> yeah. not. As you know, we probably could have predicted Hagrid is not great with secrets. He told somebody how to get past Fluffy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That with, mysterious stranger. Yeah. Yeah. The same mysterious stranger with that dragon egg. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So they realize like, they have to go for it themselves. We're starting to see why Hagrid got kicked out of the school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be as competent as these 11-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a drinking problem, you know. Yeah. He mm-hmm. seems like he can handle it. He's a giant. Yeah. But he can eat drink a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Andre the Giant. Yeah. Just to drink like 15 beers a day. Something like that. Wow. Yeah. And he, he was actually smaller than Hagrid. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Under the Giant was, what, eight feet tall? Not even seven feet tall, something. Mm-hmm. And Hagrid's about 12. Is he? Mm-hmm. I thought he was just about half again as tall, so he would have no, been like nine feet. twice as tall as Twice it. as tall. Okay. Yeah. He's That's too big right. to be allowed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Every time he's inside, they, mo- they note. He's got, he's got feet like baby dolphins. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which, I mean, when they say like, they mean he's literally wearing baby dolphins as shoes, which is <laughs> awful. Wouldn't they be really squeaky? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they would. It's, it's why it's so funny when he's walking around. Yeah. 
Anyway. But in this particular instance, Harry does actually go to an authority figure. He goes and talks to McGonagall. Yeah. Seems like a smart move. You know, at this point, he's pretty sure that someone's going to be trying to break in to steal the stone. Mm -hmm. He's like, look, let's go talk to McGonagall. Let's get her in on this. But the uh, system doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, I mean, okay. To be fair, however, McGonagall, she doesn't exactly rule it out. She's just like, okay, you're a 10-year-old. Let me deal with this. Like, that's kind of her approach, right? I mean... Good approach. And she says... You know, no, Snape is not conspiring to steal the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Which, we'll find out whether that's true or not. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you learned that there was going to be, like, this this magical heist, would you want a, a group of 11-year-olds, like, involved? In, are they 10 or 11? 11. Would you want a group of 11-year-olds involved in this case? I mean, maybe not, right? Yeah, no. So, yeah. I, I kinda, I'm kind of with McGonagall. Like, she, he's given her the information. He should let her deal with it. Mm-hmm. But no. That's not how Harry rolls. No, he's like, nope, I'm going to go fight the Dark Lord (laughs) with my one year of magic school. (laughs) And he gives a speech about it, too. This is what Gryffindors do. They give speeches. (laughs) (laughs) What does he say? Do you have the speech? Yeah, I don't know. You can get the the speech. It's when everybody's telling him, like, drop it. And he's like, no, I won't drop it. I mustn't. I'm Harry Potter. Here it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah, Hermione says that he's going to get expelled. He is, so what? Don't you understand? If Snape gets hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore. Can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the cup? If I get caught before I can get the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have because I'm never going to the dark side. I'm going through that trap door tonight, and nothing you say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? And he glared at them. So that's, that's a moving speech. <laughs> All right. He's got it going, you know? It's a good speech for an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. And Hermione's like, okay, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Poor Neville. He tries to stop them from going, and you they know, drop a curse on he's him. He's a good kid, Holy right? Holy crap. This is, oh, I feel so bad for Neville. I know, I know. Right? He's like, he's right, you know? He's that, right. They've yeah. broken the rules. They got in trouble last time. He got in trouble last time for trying to, to like, help them, and now he's like, no. Come on, guys. This is this yeah. is exactly what you did last time that screwed over Gryffindor, and right? Do the the curse that makes him stiffen up and fall on his face, <laughs> which yeah. is even worse because remember earlier someone who was bullying him did the petrification on just his legs, right? Mm-hmm. And now they did the full body one, which is Aww. even worse. Mm-hmm. He's had this before, and it was and he was so miserable. Poor mm-hmm. guy. And these are supposed to be his friends. Yeah, these yep. aren't friends. Not very good friends. No. Well, I mean, I guess they did stop him from. Living in a world dominated by the Dark Lord's evil, so oh, well, that's yeah, pretty sure, funny. yeah, yeah. But Whatever. I mean, I'm sure they weren't thinking specifically about Neville when they did it. <laughs> they probably weren't. <laughs> they weren't thinking about him at all. Yeah, ever. Poor Neville. Whatever. Long bottoming is an official verb, and it does not mean a sex move. It, it doesn't. It, it, it means, sounds like a sex move. No, because of the Harry Potter long bottoming means when someone grows from being like super dorky and awkward looking to being super hot because the actor who played Neville became ridiculously good looking. <laughs> yeah, so. I remember it was it was a thing because throughout the series he's supposed to be kind of like, yeah, you know, he's Neville. Yeah. And then, you know, at some point in the movies it's just harder and harder to buy these just like this dopey kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he comes like, into his own. Yeah. yeah. He's like, can we put it, can we put him in something a little dumpier cuz like he's his his shoulders are kind of rippling through the cloak there. Like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, they decide they're going to go after it despite, you know, Neville trying to stop them. They're like, "No." 
we're going to go fight whoever's trying to, I guess, Snape. We're going to go try and fight Snape, even though he's a wizard with decades of experience and we're first years who can barely cast a spell. Yeah. Yeah. And they come across Fluffy. Yeah. And the trick for getting past Fluffy is just playing some music. <laughs> this really diminishes the value of this this particular, I <laughs> right? I mean, but this is Hagrid's dog, so he may not have told Dumbledore that. Oh, all you have to do is sing a song, and he goes to sleep. And you don't even have to play music well, because remember, Harry even says, "I don't actually know how to play the flute." So he just blows <laughs> on it a little bit, and the dog falls asleep. <laughs> like a recorder, <laughs> and yeah, that just knocks the dog right out. I wonder if you could put the dog to sleep by beatboxing. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> As long as the dog, as long as the dog can like get the little, get a beat going, I, I think he falls right asleep. So you have to just keep it even. So yeah, they get past the dog pretty easy. Yeah. And the next thing they encounter, they jump down that trap door and they find the devil snare. The devil snare sprouts. Don't they have a magic flashlight or something? They don't I mean, need. They've it. got Lumos. Oh yeah, it makes your wand glow like a little flashlight. That would have been useful, right? Yeah, they could have stuck it down. I there. think they haven't learned that one yet. Mm. Don't they? I think they learn, they learn that one in the next book. Yeah. Uh, spoiler. No, I don't know. That's <laughs> no, it's a, it's a really basic one. I don't know why they didn't. But uh, this is pretty funny, though, because Hermione's trying to... They're, they're getting strangled by the Devil's Snare, and Hermione's desperately trying to remember anything she knows about the Devil's Snare. And then she realizes that uh, you need a fire, and Hermione goes, We can't start a fire. There's no wood. And Ron bellows, Have you gone mad? Are you a witch or not? And she's like, Oh, yeah, it makes a fire. <laughs> I just love that line. Are you a witch or not? Well, she, I mean, like, she spent most of her life being a muggle, right? So, yeah. like, this is, you know, it's its not as natural to her, the idea that you yeah, can just Actually, Ron make... might be thinking, what does wood have to do with fire? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just do the one thing that everyone does when you make fire. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I also, so, speaking of easily circumvented things, the, so the weakness of this plant is fire? I mean, like, someone could have guessed that probably, right? Oh, yeah, this is going to be the chapter where I point out the inconsistencies, like the jerky raven claw that I am. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so they manage to get through the devil's snare, and then they find a room with... Yes, okay, so it's in a dark room. Uh-huh. And so anybody who comes in there is going to have a light. Yeah. Okay. And that's what beats the plant. No, not light, fire. They say light and fire. So if, if, they, heat. if no. they brought a flashlight, it wouldn't work. It Probably. says it likes the dark and damp, and so they do fire. It doesn't say that The implication light. to me is that dark and damp, the opposite of that, light and hot, is what does it. Right. So, so if, if someone used just like Lumos, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't probably beat the plant because it's only, it's only light, not hot. We have to extrapolate. <laughs> we, mm, it's yeah, true. We, we do not know for sure. But, but yeah, I mean, like, this is not the, the trickiest trap to get out of. No. But maybe the next one. Well, maybe the next mean, one will be better. You may notice that it stops exactly zero people. <laughs> that, that, that's a great point. Everyone, every person who's encountered this plant has gotten past it. In fact, the only thing, as far as we can tell, that was stopping anyone from getting here was the fact that no one had figured out the, the trick with the dog yet, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> and I mean, if first years have studied the devil's snare, it's not like it's in a... This is a, not a, an obscure plant. No, not at all. Yeah. But so the next one, the next room... Is room full of birds that are keys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's broomsticks. And despite the fact that they know an unlocking spell, that f- the purpose of this spell is to unlock doors without the key, it doesn't work on this door. Yeah, no. this is a magic door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an anti-Lohomora door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, you, okay, if you're setting this up to be a difficult tr- thing to circumvent, why include the brooms in the room? Why put the brooms in the room? 
wouldn't this wouldn't this well okay wouldn't this be a whole lot harder to circumvent if they hadn't put those brooms in there theoretically i suppose there's an easy way to get the right key right what's that you just fly up well we don't know what it is but there is an easy way to do it okay yeah yeah. so you have the brooms the brooms there and what's preventing people from doing that is they don't know which key is the right one and if they don't do the right thing the key runs away from them yes because otherwise this would be like Literally a situation where only a Quidditch seeker can open this door. <laughs> well, also Ron easily figures out which key it is because it's the same color and shape as the door. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're know, looking for an old key that's inlaid in silver. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Different from all the other keys. You know what? I appreciate Ron's practicality. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And it helps that the, uh, the, the, the creature, the bird, the key, whatever, has been caught once before. They see its wings are all crumpled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every time they, every time somebody catches that key, they mess it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It says when he slaps it, it's all it makes a like a sickening crunch. I was like, Yeah, oh I my know. God, what did you do to that keyboard thing? I felt bad for it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, they get through, and in the next room is an enormous chessboard. I, I thought I found this a little eerie. Mm-hmm. This is pretty creepy. Yeah. Why do they have to play the game of chess? Because they can't get to the door otherwise. Because evil people can't play chess. They don't. But why? Why don't they go to the door? It doesn't say anything about oh, the, how the chess relates to the door. The pieces would stop you. Would they? It doesn't say that. <laughs> it, it's, you, have, you can assume from the context, Jeff, Yeah, obviously. it says to get across, you have to play across, it says. It says, but why? Because if you don't, then you get... What hit. happens if you just walk across? The pieces go after you, probably. They don't specify. That's true. Literally, they just there was a sign on the wall that said, take some time doing this, and they did. You know, they're kids. They're going to follow the rules even as they break the rules. I mean, I mean, is that like a problem that Voldemort has? Well, no, so here's the thing. No, because Voldemort never got in trouble for being out of bed after dark. <laughs> That's true. Voldemort is a rule follower. You're right. That does, is totally consistent. Yes. The most evil thing that has ever happened at that school was these kids being out of bed. Well, hold on. Do we actually know that Quirrell played the game? Right? Because there's no missing pieces, right? So you gotta just walk through. Yeah, I, mean, I bet the way I imagine it is he was about to he was about to start playing the game and then the voice says, Just walk across. <laughs> <laughs> also wizard chess way darker than human chess. Sorry, muggle chess. Because they, like, they kill each other. Yeah. Like they, 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 they describe how a piece gets knocked out and is dragged off the board limply and just like lies on the side and doesn't move again. <laughs> it's, it's pretty pretty dark. Yeah. So they pass the, the chess room by sacrificing Ron, or Ron sacrifices yeah, he himself, has to be one of the chess pieces, and so does They each do, yeah. They yeah, each they have to be do. a piece for some reason. Mm-hmm. And he's a knight and does a lot of good capturing, but then he has to sacrifice yeah, but, himself. But he's the one that knows how to, how to win. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, the, he's, he's very good at wizard he's chess. He's the chess guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's his superpower. Everyone's got to have one. Yeah. <laughs> just not very useful, except in this one except particular right instance. Here. Right. Really fortunately. Like, they can just imagine them setting up, McGonagall setting up this room, like, oh man, nobody's is good enough at chess to beat this puzzle. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I mean, like, so put, this is against a, an AI, right? Or, or against a, I don't know, whatever the wizard version of an AI, AI is, is. A damned soul. Yeah, exactly. Probably. Pro- probably some extracted soul that's. Trapped here and is forced to play chess for all eternity. Right. And, uh, I mean, humans beat AI at chess now, right? Or have, no, we've made an AI that can beat all humans. Or who's winning right now? Humans or AI? Do you remember? AI, if the AI has, uh, infinite amount of time to think. Right. Humans still win speed chess, I think. Gotcha. So I assume wizards, you know, AI is not as good, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And then they move on to the next room and they find a dead troll, right? 
Uh, it says it's out cold, so we don't know if it's de- actually dead or not. They do say it's bleeding from its head, I believe. Yeah. And it usually is followed by death. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not very good for you. Which I guess is Quirrell's room, so, you know, Quirrell likes trolls, I guess. <laughs> He's a troll guy. <laughs> I'll put a troll here, because I know I can kill a troll. <laughs> I mean, he's the defense against the dark arts teacher. Are trolls considered that's dark? That's what I was wondering. Like, everyone does a thing that's kind of related to their their focus. Yeah, you would assume that'd be the care of magical creatures person who would. I would have thought Hagrid would put a troll if anyone. I yeah. thought defense of dark arts just sort of, in general, meant attack magic. You know, like the Department of Defense actually means the Department of War. Mm-hmm. In this instance, it, in school, they're usually teaching defensive stuff, like protection charms and counter curses and things like that. Uh, and less and, and less attacks generally, mm. but we we learn more about that later. Yeah. Anyway, so luckily they don't have to deal with the troll, but just the smell. Yeah. But then they find a logic puzzle. This drives me insane because she bothered to go through and write out this whole long, super cool sounding riddle about how you can figure out which of the bottles mm. holds what. But she doesn't like describe the bottles to us so we could solve it ourselves. I know. That this makes actually- me so. Frustrated the crap out of me. I was like reading this. I was like, okay, okay, I've got this. And then she gets the part about the size. I was like, size? Wait, yeah, that's you can't you can't actually solve this by reading it. I mean, someone I'm sure somewhere out there on internet in internet land has like done a drawing of them that would make it fit or something. Well, there's lots of there's actually lots of permutations where it could fit with this because of the size because of that one clue. Sure, but come on, J.K. Come on. Yeah. Why didn't you Why didn't you give us this here? That would have been fun to solve. I know. This, Jeff, did you uh, enjoy the logic puzzle? I know you you, <laughs> you favor logic puzzles on occasion. Uh, you, well, I've done a lot of logic puzzles like this when I was a kid, but yeah. I did not pay attention to this one. She could have just included a little illustration I in know. the margin or something. I wish she had. J.K., come on, do your homework. Right. She did, and and this is you know she put a lot of work into this little riddle, but no. Yeah. So I felt a little. A little cheated there. I felt exactly the same way, Alice. Yeah. But anyway, so Hermione solves it because, you know. She's good at logic. She's super smart. I think it's funny that she points out that a logic puzzle is something that would likely defeat wizards because wizards don't actually (laughs) care much about logic. (laughs) They don't know how to think. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, fair enough. Yeah. If you can just use magic to solve everything, you don't have to think real hard about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just a funny observation. They probably have a spell to solve logic puzzles. <laughs> probably. <so. laughs> probably. Anyway, one of my I, one of my favorite quotes from the entire uh, book is uh, Harry is there's only enough potion left for Harry to go on ahead, and Hermione's gonna have to go back and try to get help and get Ron help. And Harry says, I'm not as good as you. And she says, me, books, and cleverness. There are more important things, friendship and bravery. And, oh, Harry, be careful. I don't know. I like that. I disagree. I think that Hermione is the superior wizard here. Do you? Do you? I mean, as we as we will learn, Harry was the right answer in this particular case. Uh-huh. But if I were just, like, picking a team, I'd probably think Hermione might be a, a more useful person to have along because she has such a, a tremendous breadth of knowledge. Yeah, but isn't one of the signs of being incredibly intelligent knowing that... Friendship is the best. That Yes, knowing that friendship is the best. Mm-hmm. No, being really smart knowing that there's a lot you don't know and what you do know comes... A lot of that knowledge is derived from somewhere else. No. Okay. No, no, I mean... I, <laughs> I mean, mean, I feel that way. No, no, I, I mean, I, I think that... I think that there is a wisdom to that. Yeah. However, I think as a 
as someone who's in a magical situation fighting somebody else who's a magic user, you probably want your best magic person, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Logically, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I identify with it because I never felt so dumb as when I started working on my doctorate. Well, that's, and I actually still feel really dumb, and because it's books well, and cleverness. There's a lot. There's a lot more. To, there's the more you know, the more you don't. The exactly. more you, know, you don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I like when she says that. I like that a lot. Yeah. It's a very quotable quote. But anyway, Harry okay. goes into the last room. Anyway, are we ready for the grand reveal? Chapter seventeen: The Man with Two Faces. <gasps> and everybody's shocked to find out it's Quirrell. What? Quirrell was the villain. Snape was saving Harry all along? What? There's kind of a parlor scene kind of feel to this, right? Where it's just like, (laughs) oh, remember that time this thing happened? Oh, well, this is what happened. Yeah, he monologues. Yeah, Yeah, he totally does. (laughs) That time when you you thought Snape was, you know, fighting you? Oh, no, no. It was me fighting you and Snape was trying to counter me. Yeah, Yeah, she, JK is is, uh, spelling it out for us pretty hard there. It's a little little Scooby-Doo-esque, too. Yeah, it's pretty obvious, but I thought the way she hid the clues was pretty strong, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I remember when Hermione knocked over Quirrell when she was on her way to set Snape on fire. <laughs> uh, and so it was all there, right? So it, it doesn't yeah. feel cheap. No, no, I, I agree. I think that she did a good job of, like, uh, of putting the the information out there. It doesn't feel uh, ex machina, as, as some kind of these can. I remember being surprised when I read this for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean... Quirrell is playing a is playing a part throughout this whole thing, and and he does a great job of of kind of playing that part. I have to say, like going back and rereading these, I am just so struck by how juvenile the early books are, and how much they grow in sophistication. I feel like as the series progresses, they definitely get darker. Yeah, like this, but this, but just even just the style. This first book feels very childish to me. Yeah. And I think that changes a lot as the series goes on. And it's not just that the subject matter gets darker. I think the writing gets more sophisticated too. I don't know if she was growing as an author, if this was something she just did very deliberately, but it's interesting. Like where in other book series do you find that? Uh, So this is her first ever book, right? This is the first book that she ever published? Yeah. I think that you find that in other situations like that, where you have an author who pr- produces their first book uh, ever mm-hmm. and then kind of continues with that series. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples. There's, uh, what's it? Uh, there's no, there's another popular wizard series. Is it Jim, Jim Butcher? Is Lord that it? No, I don't understand. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jim Butcher writes a series so about... Are you talking about the Dresden Files? The Dresden Files, yeah. The first book is, in my opinion, not very good. Um, but as the series progresses, he improves as a writer and then the, things get better, you know? Yeah, I think that, yeah, that, that phenomenon is definitely true where somebody just gets better as a writer. Sure. But, uh, but she's clearly targeting kids with yes. this book and less so with later books. I can't think of another example of somebody changing the, the target market like that. Well, so I, I think she talks about it and I don't remember if she said it was entirely intentional or not. But because these books were being released a, a year or two apart each time, she was intending that as someone read the series as it was being released, they'd be of the age to read those books. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's that's kind of cool, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess it wouldn't work as much now because if you are reading this book, you're likely to want to just dive into the next one. So you might you might progress a lot faster than she had originally intended. But Yeah. You know, it's fun. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I also want to point out the title of this chapter is The Man with Two Faces. And it means it both literally and figuratively because Quirrell is like playing this part of like the stuttering guy. And then he's like this confident and like evil wizard. Mm-hmm. So he's two-faced. But he's also literally two-faced. Yes. Doesn't it make him three-faced? Wait, what's the other? What's the third face? Well, the two faces of Quirrell and the other face that he's got. <laughs> that's that's true. And so he's technically three faces. It's a it's a poorly titled chapter. Mm. Um. And apparently, Harry Potter's scar still has some mojo in it because along comes Quirrell, tries to touch him, his hands get burned. Yeah. Yep. It's Harry crazy. Potter's fire. Yeah. And apparently, it's a scar. I don't know. It's it's a little unclear, but his scar is burning. Quirrell's burning. Everyone's burning. It's mm-hmm. real. It's real mess. Yeah, and, and is this where the turban comes off? Uh, oh. Wait, no. is that before or after The that? turban has not come off yet. What he's doing right now, so he, he finds out it's Quirrell, and Quirrell is kind of monologuing here, and Harry looks in the mirror of Erised, right? Mm-hmm. And then the stone just, uh, the philosopher's stone just, uh, or the sorcerer's stone just appears in his pocket. Wait, is that before or after? The th- that's that's, at, that's before. Quirrell... So Quirrell is looking at the mirror of Erised, and he says, I can see myself in there giving the stone to Voldemort. Because, of course, the mirror of Erised is showing him what he... But there's someone Erised. talking to him, right? Throughout that, I think? There's a voice. There's yeah. a voice coming yeah. from Quirrell, but Quirrell's not moving his mouth. That's right. Mm. Yes. So he's a ventriloquist. The most evil type of wizardry. God, I hate ventriloquists. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a ventriloquist listening to our podcast, yes, I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Jeff Dunham. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> you know, Jeff, Charlie we know McCarthy. you're the best, Jeff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the high voice says that he wants to face Harry, and we find out it's a face in the back of his head. Yeah, with a pale face with like slits like a snake. It was chalk white with glaring red eyes and slits for nostrils like a snake. That's so creepy. That is really creepy. If you try and picture this, it's pretty horrific. It is, yeah. And also a little comical when he's <laughs> Harry says that as the face is, uh, you know, talking to him, Quirrell's walking backwards to like kind of make it go closer. <laughs> oh yeah, I was trying to envision. That. <laughs> and then Quirrell like lunges for him, but does he does he go backwards? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he has to turn around because Quirrell can't see through that face in the back of his head. It's not him. That's right. Yeah. So the lunge he. Have to turn around. We didn't hear Voldemort saying, like, a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> to the right, to the right. <laughs> My right. Yeah. This is not the most, this, this is this is a kind of awkward setup for both of them, I think. You know, Voldemort can only see what's, like, behind him. Quirrell can't see where he's going if Voldemort's in charge. Mm-hmm. I also want to point something out. The Weasley twins in the wintertime got in trouble because they had bewitched snowballs to follow Quirrell and bounce off the back of his turban. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it's bouncing off Voldemort's face. Yeah, the yeah. Weasley twins were literally throwing snowballs at Voldemort. <laughs> in truth, they were battling the Dark Lord. Yeah, they didn't even know it. <laughs> so Quirrell tries to perform a deadly curse, but Harry grabs Quirrell's face and it totally chars him. Yeah, he's burning him. He's burning his flesh. He's yeah, just kind of tormenting him. Yeah, yeah, super gross. Yep. But at the same time, it's hurting Harry. You know, this 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 contact, while it burns Quirrell's skin, it, it makes Harry Potter's scar burn. Skin. Yeah, his head is... It's like a knife is going through his head. Yeah, exactly. And he passes out. And then he wakes up and, I guess, 
Dumbledore's staring in his face? Yeah, I, know. I guess so. He's like, good afternoon, Harry. I was just watching you sleep. That's the thing that <laughs> wizards do, I guess. Yeah, watching you while you were unconscious. Yeah, that's mm. totally a normal wizard thing that wizards do. Right? Says Dumbledore. That's, maybe that's a later class that Harry hasn't learned. <laughs> yeah, the, the sleep watching. <laughs> I do, I, okay, I actually really do love the way that Dumbledore talks, though. Like, I forgot about this, but as you're reading his... His way of communicating, it just, it, it kind of makes me happy, you know? He's talking about, like, there's a thing that's like, oh, um, you know, what happened to you in the, in the, in there was a complete secret. So, of course, the entire school is talking about it now, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, has this really matter of fact way of talking that just, it's, it's kind of fun. Well, he's got a sense of fun, sense of the ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows pretty much everything that goes on in Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, so, he, saw, he says the Sorcerer's Stone has been destroyed, he says. Right. Which, you know, Dumbledore does not always say things that are true. He's, he doesn't lie much, actually. He, 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 he I, I, think, I think, right? he lies a lot. Does he lie? What did he lie about? Well, he said, yeah, well, I saw myself holding a pair of socks in the mirror. Harry. That could actually be true. Yeah, Maybe. we don't know that. Dumbledore's a really unusual guy. You it's know? very possible. But he also, he deceived by withholding information quite a lot. That is true. Yes. Yeah, he, he, but he, he admits as much. I mean, Harry... Harry says, hey, can you, I, I need to ask you some stuff, will you tell me the truth? And Dumbledore says, uh, I won't lie, but I might not tell you everything. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's his deal, you know? But anyway, he says that, right? Which, yeah. to my uh, old cynical mind, immediately meant, oh, he just hid the Sorcerer's Stone somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. It could be, but... But, but also, so, is Quirrell dead now? Yes. Who killed him? Wait, are you, Voldemort are you, escaped from his body. Are you sure he's dead? Yes. Okay. I, I, I guess Harry killed him. Did Harry kill him? We didn't... I mean, it's unclear, right? Did Harry kill them or did Harry incapacitate him and then Dumbledore came and killed him? It's my understanding what happened is Voldemort knew that he could not remain in Quirrell's body while Harry was attacking. And so Voldemort somehow managed to remove himself from the body and in doing so, it killed Quirrell. Oh, okay. That's my understanding. But one of the one of the things about the series is that Everything that happens is happening in Harry vision. Like, we don't find out what happens to Quirrell because Harry's not there to experience it. So we mm-hmm. just don't find out. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it makes a big difference whether the 11-year-old killed the guy or not. Sure. I, I don't believe that Harry uh, killed him. I don't think that that's exactly what his power did. It was more just like surface pain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is possible. I think it's more likely that Voldemort or... Maybe Dumbledore killed him. Or, or I mean, but we definitely know he's dead because he could have also just been... He said he left him for dead, but he didn't necessarily say he was dead. He could just be, you know, going to wizard jail. We find out later oh. that he did not survive okay. the encounter. Gotcha. But yeah, that's a good point. That'd be pretty messed up if an 11-year-old thought they were responsible for the death yeah. of someone. I, I, yeah. Yeah, that is super messed up. Luckily, Harry doesn't ask that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that does not concern him. Harry. Gryffindor. Bravery and murder. <laughs> and we get a little nod to um, James Barry from Peter Pan, because we've got a very Peter Pan-esque quote uh, when Dumbledore says, To the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure, which is a paraphrasing from when Peter Pan says to die would be an awfully big adventure, yeah. which I remember because I always thought that was such a stupid thing to say. <laughs> well, Peter Pan is a kid. That's true. Yeah, Dumbledore doesn't have that excuse. Well, he's talking to a kid. Oh, that's a good point. About yeah. death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a hard conversation. So Dumbledore manipulated this whole thing. It is not stated explicitly, but it, but Harry 
sort of implies that that might be what happened. Seems that, like it. That Dumbledore, well, Dumbledore kind of says, um, well, does what does he say? He's Dumbledore kind of, he says that he, he let Harry go in after Voldemort. He's like, I thought I'd give you a chance. This is, this is literally my least favorite thing about the book, this book. I hate this. I think it's so stupid. Harry, Harry said thoughtfully, he's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he sort of wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here, you know. I reckon he had a pretty good idea we were going to try, and instead of stopping us, he just he just taught us enough to help. I don't think it was an accident he let me find out how the mirror worked. It's almost like he thought I had the right to face Voldemort if I could, which is unconscionable for an adult to do to an 11-year-old at the best, and at the worst, it's just a really stupid explanation for a plot point. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, doesn't Dumbledore... Isn't he kind of, like, not necessarily entirely super good all the time? Like, I, I, I could be misremembering, but I remember later on that he, like, in, in his pursuit of stopping Voldemort, he's, like, he does some necessary evil kind of stuff. He he is good, but he is fallible, and he makes really grave errors. Could it be that this is, like, an experiment to see if Harry's stuff still works against Voldemort? That is a very real possibility. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that it doesn't seem in character in this book, but it could be in character in for Dumbledore later on. Yeah, we're definitely getting the feeling he's not just the benevolent, you know, father figure or even... But, I mean, that happened, that, like, in uh, Lord of the Rings, though, Gandalf wasn't always necessarily a super good guy, Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely not, yeah. G- no, I mean, he was, 100%. Well, oh, was he, he? he was always, he was always striving for good aims, but he was... Not he was he was willing to sacrifice people sometimes to achieve a greater good, right? Yeah, sure, doesn't he do it, that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go to the map for Gandalf, but uh, my recollection is that it was always he was always focused on defeating the Dark Lord, which was actually, in point of fact, the most important thing in the world. So my argument is that Dumbledore is exactly the same. Like he's focused on killing Voldemort, but if it means that. Maybe he had, he pits a little kid against Voldemort to yeah. find out if his powers see, work. Okay, so like letting Denethor, steward of Gondor, uh, lose his ancestral hold on power to bring back Aragorn, the king of men, right? Uh, that doesn't strike me as the same level of sacrifice as tossing a eleven year old kid into all these death traps to see if his uh, magical juju still works. Well, he's yeah. pretty sure it does. Like, if he's pretty confident that that Harry's. Yeah, stuff is... but he let Ron and Hermione go in there. Ron, who did get hurt badly. That, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, and Harry also got hurt badly. And also, Dumbledore knew this was all happening, right? Well, yes he, and no. Uh, he is, is the implication. Yeah, I, I think he knew that something was happening. I, I think his leaving the school when he did was not intentional. I think that was a, a real trick, but he figured it out pretty quick and came back. I think that's what he says. He's like, oh, as soon yeah. as I arrived at the ministry, I realized that I was in the wrong place, you know? Right. So I yeah, think he, he gave Harry the invisibility cloak. He did. And apparently led him to the mirror of Erised somehow. He did, yeah. Because that was his that was his plan. His plan was to give Harry the tools to deal with the problem. Right. Which It's not know. great. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, 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 and that's my argument. He's He is trying to achieve a, a, a good aim in the big picture, but like... I don't necessarily think all the things he does are good. Dumbledore has not established that level of trust, at least for me yet. No, you're totally right. Where I'd be confident that this was worthwhile. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. I, and, and I mean, 
you do have lots of testimony from lots of different people that Dumbledore's like a, a generally a, a, a great great man, whatever. Um, we don't see a lot of it yet in this in this book mm-hmm. because he he's actually not a major character in this book. He's he's yeah. appeared what like probably less than five times in this entire book, right? Yeah, we yeah. don't get to know very much about him at all. Yeah, that makes him compelling. I think. Yeah. Okay. Good. The things we see about him, oh, you know, he defeated the wizard Grindelwald in 1945, and he has these, he he always has these absurd responses to these solemn occasions as in his role as headmaster. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, it wants you, you want to know more about what's going on with this guy. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's true. He does become, I think, one of, if not the most interesting characters in the entire series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely a lot more complex than, than you realize early on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he make, he also makes a point again of saying that Harry should call him Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. he says uh, always use the proper name for things. Fear of a name increases fear of the thing itself. Yeah, yeah, which I think is kind of interesting. It's like the the fact that everyone's afraid of saying this name makes people more afraid of Voldemort. When I mean, yeah. they should be afraid, but he wants people to be willing to stand up to him. Yeah, I like that. I like that sentiment a lot, and it's it's like a it's a wizarding trope. Throughout, you know, all kinds of fantasy literature, that the name of something has power, right? You know, somebody's yeah. true name, you have power over them. Yeah. And Voldemort is explicitly saying that's not true. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's a neat inversion. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's saying don't give that name power because yeah, he's, he's saying he's saying names have power because of what we imbue with them, but they don't have magical power, and you should not be afraid to use the power, the real power of a name. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder. I do wonder if that's true, though. I mean, we don't know a lot about Voldemort. Uh, yet, or, or or his history, but we do know that Voldemort's killed lots and lots of people, and I do wonder if there's some. I mean, obviously Dumbledore's not afraid of Voldemort because Voldemort's afraid of him, you know. Uh, but I do wonder if a regular person walking around using Voldemort's name would get Voldemort's attention and therefore die. You know, I wonder if that comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's never it's never really stated, but I do I do. While I like the idea, and I, I agree that I think it's a good sentiment, um, I do wonder if Dumbledore's being a little bit cocky because he is who he is. I think that... And we get a little bit of a, a mysterious explanation for Harry's survival. We don't... I, I, it's not... It's not. It, it's a little abstract, the way that Dumbledore describes it, but something about the fact that Harry's mother loving him so much and sacrificing her life was a sort of magic. Yeah, created some sort of protection for him. Yeah, we that don't... Quirrell could not, literally could not stand to touch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and so we don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of detail about it, but it seems to be some sort of indication of what happened that, that night. So can Harry now go around and touch people to see if they're evil? Probably. I think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it gets creepy after a little bit, you know? <laughs> Come here and let the child lay his hands upon you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, another evil one. He's lining people up as mm. Harry puts his hands on him. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And then Hagrid also makes a visit to Harry in the hospital. Yeah. He and he brings him a little present. When, oh, oh, yeah, heartbreak. Hagrid writes to all of Harry's parents' school, old schoolmates, and they send pictures because Harry's never seen what his parents look like except for the mirror of Harry's head. Seriously, this choked me up a little bit when I was reading. <laughs> I forgot about this part. Like, he gives them this photo album, and, it, and they're wizard photos, so they're actually moving. It's like, yeah. this is this is like for a kid who's never met his parents getting just like, a, I guess, a, a, 
a scrapbook reel of all these times of their their youth, and it's just like that's, yeah, that's really sweet, you know. Yeah, that's a pretty nice gift. Yeah, well Harry, done, Hagrid. Harry Harry couldn't speak, but had Hagrid understood. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely choked me up a little bit when I read that. I was like, yeah. oh man, that's that's pretty that's a pretty good gift. That's that's very sweet. Yep. Anything else? Well, we have to talk about the close of the book, right? Oh, do we? Well, what happens at the remember at the banquet? Let's talk about the banquet. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I guess I was subconsciously trying to avoid that because I knew <laughs> Jeff was going to get angry. Oh, so we've got the end of the school year banquet. Yeah, because uh, because of that earlier event, Harry and Hermione and Neville being out of bed, Gryffindor lost 100, 150 points and is now at the bottom of the the ranks. Yes, and Slytherin wins. You know, Slytherin wins every year. Slytherin wins fair and square. Yeah, they they as far as we know. Yeah, I mean Malfoy probably lost some points for them, but you know. Slytherins care about winning, and they 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 work really hard to to achieve those aims. Yep. But then along comes Dumbledore, and he's like, "You know what? Nah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. How about fifty points for Ron because he played a good game of chess?" And you're like, "Yeah, okay. Well, you know, that's <laughs> all right. That's that's pretty. That's a lot of okay. That's a lot of points for good. sure. You know, uh, he, he played a lot of games of chess. But, you know, all right. Yeah, I mean, sure." 50 points for Hermione because she, I don't know, like, solved a logic puzzle or something. Oh, she kept her head under pressure. I mean, she didn't really, but, you know, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, Gryffindor's doing better, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, Harry gets 60 points because, uh, okay, that's legit, right? He fought the Dark Lord and won, I guess. I don't think that's legit. <laughs> 60 points is, is not very many points for, for defeating the ultimate evil. This is not an option that was available to all the other students. We don't know that. Look, no one else tried, Jeff. No one else tried. <laughs> but Harry tried. So 60 points. But, oh, okay, well, that's only a tie. That's only a tie, you know? At least Slytherin hasn't lost. Oh, but right. You know what? Neville, 10 points. Yeah, 10 points for Neville because he said, you know, mm-hmm. no, guys, don't He's, leave. Because he stood up to his friends for the rules. That's the only thing. The only thing in this whole bit that actually is a fair thing to give points for. <laughs> yes. Because literally all these things are there. He's giving them points for disobeying the rules. Right? <laughs> yes. Is that the lesson? Is in order to win the House Cup, you disobey all the rules and fight the Dark Lord? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Jeff. That's obviously yeah. the right answer. <laughs> I mean, Harry killed one of the teachers. <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, he, Dumbledore was done with that I teacher. Mean, sure, there, there are many, like... Mitigating circumstances here, but still, sixty points seems pretty steep. Yes, <laughs> for murdering a professor. <laughs> I, I have to say though, I think it is very sweet that the one who puts it over the top, so to speak, is Neville, who's the the schlamazzle. Look, like that's nice. To me. Dumbledore, Dumbledore knew that Neville needed a win. Yes, and, and he gave like, it to him. He did, but he yes, did. I agree. It's but the way he did it. Oh man. Oh man, right at the last minute. I know. Uh-huh. They let the Slytherin kids. The, the decorations were up. They'd yeah. already hung the banners. Hung the banners. Screw those 11 year olds. They know what they did. <laughs> it was while they were cheering for their victory. Yeah. are like, hold on, guys. <laughs> You're having fun over there, but let's reel it back in. Yeah, yes, there's a reason actually, why the Slytherins turned to evil. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, this is what I believe that this, yeah. these kids were not evil before they went into House Slytherin and they do stuff like this to make them emotionally <laughs> scarred and turn them into villains. Let's yes. just remember that everyone who turned to Voldemort was a Slytherin. <laughs> they said that. That's right because everyone who turned to Voldemort probably went through an experience like this when they were in school and they were like 
To heck with the system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's kill them all. Nice. Uh, and then we have a, a truly dark and disturbing ending. What's that? Because a student has summer break as the worst part of their school year. Yeah. Poor Harry. Well, is it poor Harry? I would say poor Dudley. <laughs> because they, they established that Harry plans to torture Dudley with magic all summer. No, they... Just with the threat just the, of the magic. the threat of magic. Because really? he, he's, he's not allowed to use magic. Like, that's... He, said, he says the Dursleys don't know I'm not allowed to use magic. Yes. Right. So he can, that he's going to use magic. No, no, no he's not allowed to, but he's going to let them think he like, He's not allowed to, but he's going to... My read was that he totally was. He's like, I'm going to burn these people. Right? <laughs> no one's going to know. I'm wow. going to put this guy together like Mr. Potato Head. You know, it's going to be horrible. Just burn their house down. I'm going to put him in a lock leg curse and throw him in a lake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so evil. It's a... Nu- Right. No, that was my takeaway. <laughs> so we, as we as we will learn, uh, Harry is is actually prevented from using magic outside of the school. Uh, there's oh, there's magic that stops wizard young wizards from using magic. Uh, well, they get punished. They for get it. punished for it. Yeah, yeah. It, it can be. It, it's a very severe thing that they can be expelled mm-hmm. for. I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because the punishments have been so. Effective so far. Yeah, yeah. If they use magic That's outside true. of school, then they're given a bunch of candy. Yeah. And You're going to have to go on a dragon ride with us, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll give you this golden crown. <laughs> this is the crown of punishment. <laughs> right. Everybody bow to the crown of punishment. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, that's it for the first book in the series, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We are going to be watching the movie and sharing our thoughts on that. Uh, we hope you will join us for that. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Micah Sparkman. And I'm Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake. Uh, if you have anything you want to say, go ahead and send us a line at hello at mwapodcast.com. In the meantime, please share us on whatever platform you got this on. Give us good reviews. Uh, Like us. Like us in real life. We're very likable. Until next time. Finite Finite Podcast. Podcast.